You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Mark Feinsand, executive reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to the Executive Access Podcast. Chaim Bloom graduated from Yale with a degree in Latin classics, not quite the traditional start for a person looking to work in the baseball world. But a pair of internships with the San Diego Padres and Major League Baseball got him started in a career that led him to the Tampa Bay organization prior to the 2005 season. Since joining the then Devil Rays, Bloom has moved through the organization from intern all the way to senior vice president of baseball operations. I sat down with him to discuss his experiences as a sports writer, what he learned from the interview process for GM jobs in both Milwaukee and Philadelphia, the challenges of being part of a front office tandem, and how the Rays culture has changed the most during his decade plus with the team. Enjoy this conversation with Rays Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations, Chaim Bloom. Chaim Bloom, Rays Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations, thanks for taking some time, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Uh, safe to assume you were a big Phillies fan as a kid? I was growing up, huge Phillies fan. Who was your favorite player? Darren Dalton. Darren Dalton, Dutch. Yep. Nice. Uh, was baseball always your, your first love in terms of sports? Yeah, from a real young age. Um, you know, I just uh, grew up loving the game. Uh, was blessed with uh, more passion than I had talent. But, uh, you know, from a, from a very young age, really uh, was really an obsession of mine. Jerry Depoto is the only current GM or, or top-level baseball executive of that ilk since there are so many different titles now in all these teams, uh, that played in the majors. A lot of GMs played at high college, high school. Where was your playing peak? My career ended uh, in Little League. That's about where I topped out. Um, it was, like I said, more passion than talent. It was apparent very quickly that uh, I was not athletic enough to really take it much past that. Uh, you got your degree from Yale in Latin Classics? I did, yeah. Uh, not what most people think of as the ideal training ground for a baseball career. Did you know right when you graduated that you wanted to have a career in baseball? I actually knew before I graduated. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I'd been passionate about baseball from a young age. Uh, and really, uh, near the end of high school, early in college, I started looking into how I could turn my passion into a career. Um, and at the time, uh, you know, I'd also studied Latin in high school. And uh, from an academic standpoint, that was something I was passionate about. And I and I made the, uh, the gamble that what I what I majored in, as long as it was something that was challenging, that would uh, exercise my brain, and that would teach me how to learn, that it wouldn't matter a whole lot as far as getting into baseball, just because it's such a unique field. Uh, the gamble paid off. I'm not necessarily sure it's a course I'd recommend to somebody <laughs> else, uh, but it did work out. I would say, does that degree, does that uh, major ever come in handy in the baseball world? Only indirectly. I had someone <laughs> say to me early in my career, you know, if the Latin players spoke Latin, you'd be set. <laughs> Um, and they, they don't, but uh, you know, I, I do think uh, in all seriousness it was something because I was passionate about it and because it was challenging, it was something that uh, you know, I really learned how to think differently about situations and how to, how to read what's going on, how to decipher problems, and I think it was really helpful for that. I think there's so many things that this business throws at you that are unpredictable and that may not be things that you can study in a classroom, and being adaptable and being uh, you know, versatile is really important in this field. What was your entry into the game? Uh, I was persistent and, as I said, passionate. And I was trying to find different ways uh, to get into baseball. And 
uh, basically talking to everybody uh, that I could, uh, you know, about uh, about what I was trying to do and picking their brains and getting advice. And uh, I was able to, uh, and around about the same time, two different things happened. I was able, one, to get an internship with Baseball Prospectus, um, which was, you know, at the time, I still is, doing a lot of good work um, uh, from the analytics domain. And I was also able to get an internship at Major League Baseball. And I was actually in the legal department at that time, but it got me in the building. And I got to start building relationships there and learning more about the game. And while all that was going on, I was just, as I mentioned, trying to pick as many brains as I could and talk to a lot of people who were doing what I was looking to do and, uh, and get advice from them. The commissioner's office has been, proven to be a pretty good training ground for a lot of club executives. What was the, the best part of that experience? Well, I can't say I had uh, the, the up-close and personal experiences that some people who have, who have come through uh, the Baseball Operations Department or Labor Relations have had. Um, but I was in the building uh, that summer, the summer of 2002, at a really interesting time when the uh, labor agreement was being negotiated. And, you know, I, I certainly didn't have any inside access to anything that was going on. But if you're at your desk a lot, you hear things and you observe things, and it was a really interesting time to be there. You mentioned the internship at Baseball Prospectus. Was sports writing ever something you considered? Uh, probably early on a little bit, uh, more in high school, just because at that time uh, you're thinking about different ways to be around baseball and have a tremendous amount of respect for what, what writers do. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine by my majoring in uh, something in the liberal arts, I, I care about the written word and it's something I'm passionate about. But um, ultimately it, it became clear to me that, uh, that the baseball operations side was, uh, and the idea of building something, building a team and building something together, with people was, was what was really going to drive me. So you've been with the Rays, I believe, since 2005. That's correct. How, uh, how did you first get hooked up with them? Uh, well, after, uh, after I graduated from college, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to get an internship with the Padres uh, in the summer of 2004. And um, it was a, a very limited term internship. It was just for a couple of months, uh, but it was really my first, uh, first time, you know, first, foot, for, excuse me, first foot in the door with an organization and I was there for a couple months, spent a lot of time doing a whole variety of odd jobs, breaking down video, charting games, uh, working the gun, different research projects, a whole host of different things, whatever they asked me to do. And while that was going on, I, I continued to try to uh, meet people uh, in baseball, uh, mostly you know via phone or email, and again get their advice. And I ended up getting in touch with some of the incoming group here at that time. Um, you know, our, our, our current owner, Stu Sternberg, had, uh, had bought into the club. He hadn't yet taken over the club, but uh, he was on the ownership group at that time. And uh, a couple people uh, were already on the ground here, and uh, I was able to get in touch with them and uh, ended up uh, getting an internship here for the 2005 season. So you've been in baseball for 13 years now. How, if any, has your, have your views or philosophies on the game changed over this past decade plus? A whole lot. Um, you know, when you get in the game, um, I'd say even if you're young and inexperienced, but probably especially if you're young and inexperienced, you think you know a whole lot more than you do. <laughs> and you only have to be doing this for a day or two before you realize just how little you know. And I think the challenge is you go forward, and it's something that I've tried to take to heart and something that uh, I think I and we look for in, in a lot of the people we surround ourselves with here is you never want to lose that. You don't ever want to think you have this game figured out. It will, it will jump up and punch you in the nose if you think you have it figured out. And I think a lot of the people who are really able to be difference makers over you know, multi-decade careers and to do it consistently, uh, it's because they never lose that, that notion of there's a whole lot more that I haven't figured out yet. One of the recent changes to the game, not only for executives but for fans, 
was the creation of StatCast. How has that really impacted the game? Well, we're still in the early stages, but I think it has the potential to be really important. I think anytime you have a new technology coming into the game, the first few years that it's out there, I think there's some sense that this could be really important, really revolutionary, but it takes people a while to figure out exactly how to apply it. I think now we're going through uh, we're going through something on two fronts with it. One, we're obviously learning about it and trying to figure out exactly um, how descriptive this information is and also how predictive it can be as far as uh, figuring out you know, what players are going to do in the future, which of course is what we're trying to do. And then we're also going through trying to, uh, trying to explain it to our staff and really you know, our subject matter experts, you know, guys who have been teaching this and observing this their entire lives. Uh, to, to get their insight and to get to combine the insights that they have with now this new way we have of measuring what's going on in the field and like so many other areas uh, when those two things intersect you have the potential to really make a difference and we're just in the early stages of that with StatCast I think here and probably around the industry uh, but that's pretty exciting to think about uh, where we can be when all that comes together. You've been promoted several times during your time with the Rays starting as an intern and working all the way up to where you are now when you got here, they had lost 90-plus games every year of their existence. Uh, by 2008, you guys were in the World Series. How has the franchise's culture most changed during your time here? Well, I got here at the tail end of a, a pretty dark period, and, then, and that's not to say we didn't have wonderful people here. We, we did, and many of them are still with us and in prominent roles and have been uh, just incredible to me and incredible to you know parts of the success of our department. Um, I think a, a big part of it was having stability uh, so that we have the freedom to do our jobs and really the freedom to challenge each other and to challenge ourselves. Not to be afraid to take risks, to look at things a little differently. In our situation, that's so important. We have to be able to do that in order to compete with teams that have uh, you know, massive advantages over us in terms of their resources. And when you have that stability and that backing, you know you have the ability to, to take those risks, even if uh, there are things you haven't done before, even if they may not. Uh, even if they may confuse people initially, uh, but if you think they're right, you have the ability to go ahead and do it. And then with that, uh, to make sure we have each other's backs, that we're in this together, uh, that we support each other, that we learn from each other, we challenge each other, that's such a huge part of uh, what we've been able to accomplish. You were a finalist for both the Brewers and Phillies GM jobs, uh, I believe in 2015. What did you learn from those interview processes? Uh, well, it was humbling to be, uh, you know, to be considered. and. Uh, you know, really uh, very interesting to sort of step outside yourself for a minute and look at, you know, another organization and say, you know, what would I want to do, um, you know, if I were to have that opportunity with that organization. And, uh, you know, to meet, to meet some new people, uh, people who have accomplished a lot in this game, who are very impressive, um, have a good baseball conversation with them, get challenged in the back and forth. And you know, then to come back here and to take that mindset and uh, and dive back in here and, and apply some of those things, uh, you know, to the race and say, okay, if I'm coming back in here now, I can look at this with a little bit of fresh eyes, and say, all right, if there was something that I said in an interview that I might want to do elsewhere, how well are we doing that here? And if we're not doing it well, what can I do to change that? I assume during the Phillies process, you probably got a lot of calls from friends and family back home, where people starting to dream big about. Uh their favorite son going and running their, their hometown team? Yeah, I tried to keep that under wraps as long as possible, um, mainly because I didn't want to, 
uh, create too much of a distraction for too many people, and also I wanted to minimize the amount of emotional turmoil from my parents who, uh, <laughs> at the time we only had one kid, who would have loved to have their grandson uh, local. Um, obviously, it's very hard to keep those things under wraps permanently and eventually did get out. Um, you know, certainly had a lot of well wishes. Uh, also, a lot of people popping up out of the woodwork that I hadn't heard from in a while. Sure. Similar experiences when we, when we were in the World Series in 08 and going back there. But it's, uh, look, you know, it's, it's nice to have people in your corner. What was that 08 experience like of being an executive with the team that's playing the Phillies in the World Series? It was almost an out-of-body experience just because not that long ago in the grand scheme, you know, I had been such a fan of the, of the organization. And then now, you know, doing what I do um, and being on the other side of it, it was, it was very interesting to know how much that was going to mean for the city if they were able to pull it off and yet to passionately want it not to happen. Um, I think that was one of the toughest things for my family and friends was to understand um, that I wasn't torn, that... Um, you know, once you're in this, you're all in uh, with your team, and you want to win. And that's hard for people to understand uh, who knew me as a kid. Was there some irony to the fact that the team you grew up rooting for was the one that, that beat you in the World Series? Just one more time that they broke my heart. So you were a low-level baseball ops employee with the Rays when Eric Neander came aboard as an intern, uh, starting a working relationship that's lasted more than a decade now. How valuable has it been for you guys to go through the building of this franchise together? It's huge. Uh, you know, you talk about unity and trust, and, and we have that. And you can accomplish a lot more uh, together when you have each other's backs and when you know the other person well enough and trust the other person so that you can challenge them and you're not afraid to be challenged by them. And hopefully it's something where we make each other better. How do you guys divvy up duties? It varies. Um, we each, over the time that we've been here, we've had different uh, areas of involvement, areas of expertise. So there's some areas where we're both very involved. Uh, there's some areas where it's more one or the other of us. And, and it's on us to communicate with each other so that we're both informed. Uh, because we want to be able to, uh, you know, to speak uh, for each other at times, to finish each other's sentences. But we also want to make sure we're not stepping on each other's toes. Uh, so we communicate a lot. Uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen so that we can bring both of our strengths to a given situation, but also uh, so that uh, the people we work with have some clarity about what's going on. That said, I assume there are times when you disagree. What happens then? Um, you, you hope there would be times when we disagree. I think that's what you want in a healthy organization. You want to have disagreement. And, you know, I think it's no different from, um, you know, when we have when we might have a disagreement, you know, within our staff or, you know, one staff member to another. Um, if you have people who have, you know, the right intentions and the right goals in mind, you can discuss those disagreements with each other and push each other. And uh, look at the end of the day, um, you know, we got to make a decision and we do, but that, that doesn't mean that uh, those disagreements aren't productive and hopefully, you know, something good comes out of them. You guys have been part of a three-headed baseball operations monster with Matt Silverman. Uh, he shifted away from baseball ops this year to run, be president of the whole club, uh, deal with a lot of the business stuff. How has that changed your job, having Matt back away from baseball ops? Well, the good news is we still have Matt's support, and uh, you know we can talk often with him. Um, I think one of the things we've been through as an organization the last couple of years, uh, you know, even dating back to when Andrew left, is there's been this kind of gradual uh, evolution and. You know, I think we need to make sure that there's clarity for our staff and for our players that they know. Um, you know, before it was it was Matt, and now it's Eric at the top of the department, and they know that that's that's how that works. Um, but again, the nice thing is, even with those changes, uh, our organizational philosophy, the things that our owner believes in, the the mission that we have, 
that hasn't changed. It always evolves. But big picture, these principles that we stand for, that the unity that we believe in, how we believe in treating people, the way we the way we approach taking care of our players, that's something that we've been able to keep as a constant. You mentioned Andrew. That's of course Andrew Friedman. You worked for him for quite a while. What was the biggest thing you learned from him? You know, I think uh, there's so many different things that I learned from Andrew, but I think at the top of that um, is the importance of relationships and the importance of how you treat people and how you make them feel through your conversations with them. Um, that's a huge strength of his. You know, I think people talk about. Uh, you know, and I think in general when they talk about our, our organization, I think they often talk about you know, things on the analytical side or different innovations in gameplay or things like that. For me, the thing that enabled us to have the success that we had was having a people-focused culture, focus on our employees, focus on our players, and keeping that at the forefront of things. And everything else you know, lines up behind that because if you don't have that, you're never going to have the atmosphere that you want to generate some of those great ideas. When analytics first hit the scene and Oakland gets a lot of credit for sort of bringing that into baseball, uh, they were viewed as a tool for small market teams to try to counter big payroll teams. Now that all 30 teams have analytic departments, do small market teams need to be a little more aggressive in finding that next competitive advantage? I think right now in this game you have 30 organizations all searching for that next advantage, and I think they're doing that at a more rapid pace than they ever have. Um, You know, what once might have been the domain of a few small market teams or some you know, more innovative larger market clubs is now, you know, as I said, it's, it's a 30-team race. So we're always challenging each other and pushing each other and pushing our staff to say, what's going to be next? What is, what is the game going to look like in five years and 10 years? What does that mean for us? And how are we going to continue to find those advantages that can set us apart? It seems like maybe sports science is the next area that a lot of teams are really diving into to try to find that next advantage. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think this, uh, this game has grown beyond just trying to understand numbers and understand outcomes and output of players to now understand really what's going on underneath that. What are we doing physically and, and how are we going to improve our players as much as we can? That said, when you look at your analytics, you look at the numbers, um, and the scouting tells you something different from what the numbers say, how do you weigh those two things? In a lot of ways, those are the most interesting situations and the situations where you have a chance to A, get better, and B, really make a difference, really uh, put all your information together in a way that, that, that creates a decision that hopefully is a good one and something that maybe some of your competitors uh, aren't going to be able to get to if they aren't able to harmonize that information as much. And that's where those relationships and the culture you have so important because it's when you have conflicting information, especially if you have people uh, who sort of align themselves with different pieces of that information, the only way you're really going to have any kind of productive outcome from some kind of conflict like that is if you have a lot of trust in each other. And that's what we've worked to build with our staff and we are constantly trying to find ways to promote that interaction uh, between staff members with different backgrounds, different perspectives, so that those conversations can be as productive as possible. How challenging is it as a small market team when you can't throw money at your problems, or even worse, when you have to make moves because you need to clear payroll as guys start making more money. What's the biggest challenge in that situation? You know, I think as challenging as it can be not to have uh, some of the resources of our competitors, and it is challenging, especially in the American League East, uh, you know, I, I think Our best work has come because as much as we recognize that that's a challenge, we don't look at it as something 
that is going to hold us back or prevent us from getting where we want to go. It definitely requires more creativity. Sometimes it, it, it accelerates some decisions that oftentimes can be painful decisions for us. Um, but it also, I think, I hope it pushes us to be, uh, to be our best selves and to be as, as innovative as we can and to be as out front as we can and really to be thorough in trying to find different advantages and different ways that we can, uh, that we can get ahead. Managers often say the toughest part of their job is having to call a player in their office to tell them they're going down to the minors or they've been released. You've had to call several players to tell them they were traded. Uh, what's that conversation like? How difficult is that to call a guy who's been a significant part of your organization, and obviously Evan Longoria comes to mind right now, uh, to deliver that news to them? It's hard. I mean, in a word, it, it's, it's hard. Um, we get attached to these guys. We get to know them as people. We get to know their families. And we really come to respect them as professionals and to like them as people. And uh, there are these jarring reminders that, you know, as much as you may like someone, at the end of the day, uh, you may have to do something for the betterment of the whole group uh, and for the sake of our future that, that might be difficult. At the same time, sometimes, uh, you know, it, th those guys are uh, now being put in a place where they can further advance their careers. Uh, so there's some positives that can come out of it as well. But it's hard, you know, and I think we all know, and I know the players know that that's what they're signing up for when they get into this. And, you know, what, what I believe in is just making sure that when we have players with us, we're doing everything we can to help them advance their careers. And we're trying to create an atmosphere where they and we can have a whole lot of fun together and win. You guys are far from the only team that has a sort of two-headed baseball operations front office. Uh, you know, the Cubs have Theo and Jed, twins have Derek and Thad, et cetera. Why do you think this is becoming such a trend in the majors where some teams still have one GM or one president of baseball ops who sort of run everything, but you're seeing more and more those duties being split up amongst two and sometimes, as in your case, previously three? I think the job has just become so big uh, that so many organizations, I think, independently, and maybe some, you know, copying each other, but I think even without that, independently, are coming to the conclusion that there's so much to be done that you can accomplish a lot more uh, if you have you know, more than one person basically in a position, you know, to do what you need to do. Now it does require, as we talked about before, it does require a lot of trust and a lot of communication. So I think it increases in some ways the degree of difficulty, but it also just exp expands the amount that you can accomplish. Were there baseball executives that you admired from afar, either before you got into the game or maybe when you were first breaking in as an intern? Uh, for sure. And the, the list of... Uh, the, especially when you're trying to get into this game or when you're, when you're just getting into the game, you, uh, you have a huge list of people that you uh, don't know personally, but you admire a lot of work that they do from afar. Um, and then even going, you know, as someone who has uh, an appreciation for the history of the game, there's people historically uh, that you see some of the things that they have done uh, that, that stand out. I think for me, the people that... Uh, that stand out to me the most. It's one thing to have pulled off some great player moves, built some great teams. That's obviously what we're trying to do. And at the end of the day, obviously, it's super important. But uh, knowing how important culture is, uh, when you look at organizations that have established over time a great culture, and you see the people involved in creating that, uh, especially when that's combined with having built great teams on the field, I think those those are the people you come to really admire. Uh, and you never know from the outside exactly what's involved. And, I think to, to, to give credit to one or two people at the top, at the top 
I think is a misunderstanding of just how many people are involved in building an organization. Um, you know, we have 200 plus full-time employees in baseball operations, and you know, we may be the faces of this thing, but there's no way we are where we are. There's no way we can do what we're what we're setting out to do if we're not all on the same page. What would be your scouting report on yourself as an executive? What's your best attribute, and what do you still need in your mind to work on? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, and I hope this is something that uh, that other people would say about me, that uh, I care about people, that I listen to them, and that I'm thoughtful. Um, and, uh, and also that I, that I have a degree of humility about what I don't know. And I think all those things really hopefully feed off of each other. I think they're, they're related, uh, and hopefully that they work, uh, they work in tandem. But that, you know, to me, the, the greatest... The most fun about doing what we do is being able to come together with other people to build something and have a chance to create something great. And in order to do that, you need to care about relationships and you need to build relationships. And then you need to be humble about what other people, what perspective other people can bring. And, and with that humility comes, you know, hopefully a search for knowledge and a search for ways to make things better. And then you have to, you know, be thoughtful and have good judgment in, in what you implement and how you go about doing it. So I hope all of those things, um, you know, I, I, I hope those are all things that people would say about me. Obviously the truest test of, of how you are is, is how your, uh, you know, your close colleagues and, and your teammates see you. Um, but ideally, that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to be. And, you know, it's hard to just, as far as, as, far as where I'd most like to improve, you know, honestly, this game is so challenging, it's hard to just boil it down to, to one thing. Uh, ideally, there's a lot of ways in which, in which we're all trying to improve. And I think even some of those attributes that I mentioned as hopefully strengths, those are the things, you know, that I'm, that I'm trying to develop. Um, I would say that the more, sometimes when you're, when you're in a position of leadership and you know, you're making decisions and you understand that these decisions are gonna affect people's lives, it's difficult, you know, especially when you're young in this game, to wanna be a little vulnerable. And I think it's really important to do that. Uh, that's something that I think I've gotten better at as my career has gone on. Um, look, we're all just people people trying to come together and accomplish something and if we recognize that and uh, you know recognize and, and are willing to own the fact that we don't know everything and we don't have a monopoly on the truth and we need to be honest about that with our staff and our players but we're gonna try to have a good process and we're gonna come together and work together to try to figure out the best way to do this I think that's where you make the greatest strides some executives through the years have been very set in their ways I won't trade I don't trade for rental players I don't draft high school pitchers you know whatever it may be how important is it in this job to be flexible in your thinking and not get so set in your ways where you just eliminate options? One of the things that we've always believed here, really the whole time that I've been here, is that uh, we cannot you know, take options off the table. We have to be really creative. We can't afford to, uh, to just fail to consider uh, you know, certain options, certain types of players, uh, because we have to be more creative and, and more innovative than in our competition. Um, I think some of the challenge is figuring out, you know, the best way to do that without compromising certain principles of, uh, you know, having a plan and making sure you have some consistency with your plan and obviously, how, you know, making sure you don't deviate from, um, you know, the mission that you give your people and, you know, how you want to treat them and how you want them to treat our players. 
when it comes to building a roster, trades, free agent signings, etc., it seems that modern day GMs and, and executives are less emotional and more analytical than they've been in the past, even 10 or 20 years ago. Do you agree with that? I think a lot of the decisions uh, have a more analytical bent to them, and I think we're seeing that increasingly around the industry. Um, sometimes I think that hides the fact that this is an incredibly emotional game, uh, you know, for us too. Even though uh, the backgrounds in the game uh, may be more analytical, and even though there's so much more information and and so much more um, so much more of a deliberate thought process around some of these moves, uh, that doesn't make them any less emotional. You know, especially uh, you know you, you talked about you know the, the the you know talking to players when you make the move. We get attached to these guys. Um, we want to win so badly. And we need to make sure that we are still keeping a clear head and not letting our emotion dominate us. But I don't think we want to remove the emotion from this. I think we have to remember that um, part of what makes this fun is that there is a lot of emotion to it. And there is nothing like um, you know, the, the, the feeling that, that I had when we went to the World Series in 2008. I will, you know, I continue I, to, to hold on to that and not to forget what it felt like because that's what we're in this for. So we don't want to strip the emotion from our jobs, but we do have to make sure we're making the right decisions and that there's things that uh, we can justify, not just in the spur of the moment, but the next day and the day after that when we look back and we need to explain them. Do you have ultimate aspirations in this game? If you could paint the ideal picture of your career, do you have that? One thing that I've definitely learned over the course of my time in the game is that... Uh, it's, it's probably not a good idea to try to plan things out too specifically. <laughs> um, you know, especially as I've grown uh, in this game and also outside of the game and, you know, now have a family and children. Um, those things about this game that uh, may not necessarily be something that somebody would put on a resume uh, are become more and more important to me. The relationships you build and the people you work with and making sure that you know every day and every month and every season that uh, I'm getting the most out of that, learning as much as I can from it, and making sure to enjoy uh, what I'm able to do and enjoy that privilege of being able to work with such great people and uh, people that challenge me and that help me to get better. And I think as long as as long as I'm doing that, um, you know, good things I should be in a position uh, for good things to happen. Ray's Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations, Heim Bloom. Thank you very much for your time. It's been fun. Thanks, Mark. Many thanks to Heim Bloom for taking the time to sit down for this week's episode of Executive Access. For our next episode, I'll chat with Rangers Assistant General Manager Mike Daly. We'll discuss winning the national championship at LSU, the difficulty of scouting teenage prospects internationally, the Rangers run to back-to-back World Series, and much more. If you missed our recent special oral history on the Justin Verlander trade, be sure to check it out. You can search for Executive Access on Apple Podcasts, Art19, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and enjoy these conversations all season long. If you like what you hear, leave us a review while you're at it. We always appreciate those. And be sure to spread the word and tell all the baseball fans in your life about Executive Access. Until next time, I'm Mark Feinsand. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 